It's that time again. America's favorite fan-centric podcast is about to leave the station. From memory lane to Awesome Avenue, be it sports, social, or otherwise, we'll explore it all together while trying to keep it on the road one trip at a time. So sit your ass down, keep your hands in the vehicle, and buckle up, bitches, because you just got on the fan bus. Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome back to the fan bus. Excellent episode right here, right now. We're going to be talking today about wrist wrestling. Wrist wrestling, arm wrestling, what could be more amazing and fun and action-packed and kind of complex, perhaps? With me today, I have a actually dear friend of mine who happens to be and has been submersed in wrist wrestling. My friend, Corey Shabesta. Corey, how are you? I am great, Angela. Thank you very much for that introduction. It's so nice to see you and talk to you again. Um, so you've been involved in wrist wrestling for a while. It's so weird for me to call it wrist wrestling because I've always called it arm wrestling. So we should probably cut to the quick. Like, is that a faux pas? Am I being like weird by calling it arm wrestling? You are not being weird. In fact, it actually started out as wrist wrestling in Petaluma, California. Back in the 70s, I I don't have the exact date, but it evolved from wrist wrestling into arm wrestling. And the the key difference between the two is when the sport... There's a difference. Well, this is good. I'm going to get schooled here. This is awesome. (laughs) Lay it on me. When the sport was invented, it was very basic. You put your elbow on the table and you grasp the other guy's hand, and then you clasp your other hand underneath the stack of hands so that when you brought your arm down, you would bring it to your forearm for the pin. And okay. the reason for that is it's a safety thing, because if you go like lower than the forearm, you could really hurt somebody. And the arm wrestling developed from that where instead of grabbing the other guy's hand underneath, you have what is seen popular today as the peg on the outside of the table that you hang on to with your Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. That is the difference. It just wrist wrestling evolved into arm wrestling. And only one outfit that I know of that is doing wrist wrestling tournaments in the world. Wow. Everybody else does arm wrestling. Yeah, and so the arm wrestling with this special table with that peg, so I know like what you're talking about. I've seen this, actually. I've been to a wrist wrestling, arm wrestling event with you and some of our other friends, That so I know what that is. The, that table kind of uh, evens the playing field for everybody, or... Like it just it no. better just no no. What do you know? What the purpose is for the table? Then, like, educate me, please. <laughs> it, it's really just a different way of doing it. It okay. Well, let me back up. You are kind of right. It does level the playing field because wrist wrestling allowed for the movements of the arms underneath, and you could manipulate some things to get some mechanical advantages. With, okay. With an arm wrestling table that you have to grab onto the peg, 
you cannot manipulate the other wrestler with your free hand. Where in okay. wrestling you could. So you are right. That does level the playing field now that I think about it. It probably, um, and I've never done this before, ever. Like, it's been super intriguing to me. Uh, and I know that there's different ways to conduct, like, I should say I shouldn't say that. I guess I don't know exactly, but I think that there's more like informal events, and then there's formal events. But wrist wrestling or arm wrestling—I'm just gonna call it arm wrestling. Arm wrestling is divided like they divide it, if I'm right, or what I read. They divide it by weight class and like male and female. Is that right? That's correct. Okay, because I was like, do they do it by age or doesn't that matter? It's like, but. It's really by weight and gender. It, de- it's a, it depends on how big the tournament is. If it's a very large, like, national or world tournament, they may make um, senior classes. Okay. And conversely, if this is a casual, uh, non-professional event at Summerfest... You want to get everybody involved, then you ha- then you make a kids division. Oh my gosh, funny! That's awesome. Yep, <laughs> that's totally cool. So if you're not doing this correctly, and there's a whole bunch of there's like a whole bunch of rules and stuff, right? I mean, like what you can and can't do, and Correct. you've done arm wrestling for a while, like you've been involved in that. Let's say the community of people and all of that, and how it works. And I know that you've actually officiated matches and stuff like that like do you want to educate the people on different like the different rules maybe like and some of the things that i guess are important as far as arm wrestling is concerned in that respect okay so there's a lot of different rules that won't make any sense on a podcast so i'll only stick to the ones (laughs) that will make sense Appreciated. Thank you. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. So basically, the rule is the arm that you're going to be wrestling with, you line it up over the center of the table. So okay. if you've got a longer arm, you've got to back your elbow back away so that you're lined up over the center of the table and you're lined wow. up straight. And <clears throat> there is a, a, a pad on the table. In the old days, it used to be a cup, but they got rid of the cup because that causes some injuries, which I can explain later. So now it's just a pad, a foam pad about two inches thick that you got to keep your elbow on. And um, if you leave that pad, you get disqualified, and you usually have one chance to come back and restart. If you do it again, then you're disqualified out of that match. Okay. So you start with your shoulder square to the table and your hand directly in the center. And then you grip the other guy's hand. And in the case of arm wrestling, since you don't have a four-inch uh, peg or you know, or your forearm to bring it down to, and you're holding onto the peg, they usually have a wire that's four inches off the top of the table that the ref will look for and see once your hand gets down below that wire level, you lose. Ah. <clears throat> Those ah. are the basics of the simple rule. There's lots of other rules in wrist wrestling that I don't know that arm wrestling has. Like, you have to keep one foot on the ground, but it doesn't matter what you do with the other foot. And, <laughs> and the biggest thing, 
trying to kick somebody else. <laughs> the, the biggest rule, at least from my perspective as a referee for all the years I did that, is making sure that the contestants stay safe. And they okay. can put themselves in a bad position, which would cause injury. And the ref's job is to stop them if they do that and disqualify them before they seriously hurt themselves. So when you say injury, we're talking about like broken wrists or no. or that's, like that, that's a common misconception. I've never seen a broken wrist or a broken forearm. It's always the bicep. Wow. Yep. And basically, like a muscle. Basically, <sighs> in a certain, if you put your body in a certain way and you let your arm get behind you, the bicep is stronger than the bone and you'll get <gasps> what's called a spiral fracture. Oh my God. It's, it's pretty brutal. It sounds oh like God. a like a twenty two went off. It'll silence a bar, a loud noisy bar. Oh, that's so gross. <laughs> it is. And fortunately I've not seen it in very many years. We've gotten much better at making sure contestants don't get hurt. That's wild. Like, yeah, that's something so here's me, like I don't know. Like this is why I do this podcast. And so people can get educated on like the stuff that you kind of always wondered, or maybe the like your weird misconceptions like me i'm like oh yeah you would break your wrist and you're like uh no that's not how it goes <laughs> it's not a thing <laughs> uh that's not a thing <laughs> okay cool so then um one of the other things too is like obviously if you're up against somebody or you're refing a match or whatever like i read in my findings that you're not to have anything like topical on your skin or hands or whatever other than possibly chalk and um so that makes sense to me but are you guys i mean this is corny but like as a ref are you guys looking for like skin issues diseases or like weirdnesses no. too? i mean do you no. actually inspect somebody's arm no no okay we're not and and really chalk okay. is the only thing that anybody would put on your hand and that's to absorb the sweat so that you're you can have a better grip and if you're a sweaty Betty, that's a good way to lose, maybe. I mean, does it sometimes come down to, like, two guys are sweating it out and then loss of grip happens? Like, is that it a does. thing? Does that it happen? It does. In fact, okay. um, one of the things is you're allowed, in most cases, you're allowed one slip. You can make one mistake, and then you get to restart. And if you're losing, one of the things that you can do is intentionally slip, so you get a restart. And I had a guy who was so strong that I let go of his hand, and he held on to my fingertips and pulled me down by my fingertips. Oh, my God. I'm not kidding. Holy crap. That's had I wild. been a little more sweaty, maybe he would have slipped. Oh, my gosh. So is this an urban myth, like, about people who arm wrestle like do they do you do you all get or some of you guys or whomever ladies get like a big arm like is that a thing like do can you get it such that your one arm is bigger than your other does that actually happen or is this again one of these things that you see in a cartoon and is not as common as one might think there are a few instances of that and it's usually something genetic that causes okay. that in general <laughs> most guys 
look the same on both sides. And that's mostly because most serious competitors do right and left hand. Oh, because no it gives kidding. them more opportunity to wrestle. So when they exercise, they're exercising equally and training on both sides equally because they compete with both hands. I didn't know that either. So is that uh so is that a, a category? Like left hand, right hand? So you right. can be a man of a certain wi- weight wrestling left and also wrestling right. Correct. Okay. And so, so do you can do that all in the same tournament too? Absolutely. Like you could Wow. Yep. I can't imagine how tired you would get. That's crazy. And then I also read that if uh, if you're bleeding in some way, that they they can resume if the bleeding is stopped to the the like chagrin of whoever's roughing the match. Yes, no. <clears throat> you should you should avoid all you know matches where active bleeding is occurring. Yes. Okay. And then <clears throat> you clean it up and. Uh, um, if the bleeding problem is stopped, then you can resume. But generally, okay. people don't like getting bled on. But it happens. Right. It happens. It just happens. <laughs> so I did read also, too, that uh, arm wrestling is not yet an Olympic sport. Which, or no. No, it's not, right? Not, it is not. No. I was surprised by that. I just really was a little bit shocked. I figured, you know, what's what's more Olympic than a feat of strength? Oh, I know. I know. And everybody in the arm wrestling community is really upset that they won't put it in. And they've never given a great reason as to why, but we've been asking forever to make it an Olympic sport, right? And you can even have it a team sport. But, I th- well, I think one of the things that they say is... It's more of an individual kind of a sport instead of a team sport. Mm-hmm. So when you have an arm wrestling tournament and you have teams, you have the potential, depending upon how the brackets work, and you understand brackets, that you sure. may have to wrestle somebody on your own team. Oh, crazy. And if you wrestle somebody on your own team, you're going to have a winner and a loser. Now you could both score points in that way. But that's how that's how team points work, right? So depending upon how many wins you get, you know, you get X amount of points for that. And if your team has a bunch of winners, then you add up all the points. And if your team has more points than the other team, then you win. But there are opportunities for having to wrestle somebody on your own team. There's no way to separate it as USA yeah. against Russia only. You know, it just it just doesn't work wow. that way. That's really interesting. I would imagine that would be the case because just for the weight, the weight class part of it alone, like it's likely that it wouldn't match up in some instances, I would assume. Yeah. So then the the whole thing in terms of talking about uh, if somebody's arm wrestling, you're arm wrestling as a group or not, um, or individual or not, is it the it's the best, like, you, you don't do it just one time. It's, like, the best of three or the best of five that equals a whole match. So on the small tournaments, it's usually a single elimination. 
So if you okay. if you lose once, the best you can do is second. If you lose again, the best you can do is third, so on and so forth. When you get to the big tournaments, then it's double elimination. So even if you lose once, you could still take first place. That's kind of cool, yep. I think. Everybody always likes getting a second chance. That's Everybody awesome. Everybody does, yep. And then between each match, I read that there's like a minute or something in between each one, like so that you guys keep things going pretty quickly. It sounds like you do. It's a a very fast moving sport. The average match, Angela, only lasts two seconds on average. (laughs) Mind blown. Okay, this is so not like what I see in movies at all. Of course, I mean. If every match went off in two seconds, it would be incredibly boring to watch. Then you get, <laughs> occasionally you get these gladiators that battle it out. And uh, right. you go for a period of two minutes. And if you're locked up in the middle oh for two minutes, it feels like eternity. I can't imagine. Because you are giving oh. it your all and pushing as hard as you can or pulling as hard as you can whatever your wrestling style is. And uh, you're just going at it for two minutes, and you have to remember to breathe. That's the most important thing. So, of course, I was going to go there. I'm like, okay, so you're, like, physically exerting yourself like crazy. Obviously, things are bound to happen, so people pass out sometimes because they're not breathing. Yes? No? I've never seen anybody hit the ground. But uh, after matches, they're usually bright red and, you know, sweating. They're close to passing out. But usually usually the the body kind of kicks in and makes you breathe when you need to. It's like an adrenaline thing. It totally And then (laughs) I was like, okay, so, well, now you bringing light to the idea that some of these matches only last a couple of seconds leads me to believe that there's less likely that somebody is going to, like, pass out, like you said, or throw up or, like, I don't know. I mean. Yeah, that that really doesn't doesn't happen much. Nobody, like, shits their pants during a match. (laughs) It just doesn't. (laughs) It just doesn't happen very If that's ever happened, nobody's admitted to it. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) Two seconds. Yeah, I'm probably not. Okay, we'll go with that. And then, as I understand it, you are not to, like, compete, or maybe it's at the discretion of the ref to figure out if somebody's, like, on drugs or drunk. And that's probably a safety thing, too. But, I mean, you guys don't test. Or, like, where they do it professionally, if there's speculation of performance enhancing stuff like they can request testing it's true in the professional circuit okay yeah the amateur circuit of wrist wrestling and and currently wrist wrestling is only amateur there is no professional circuit for wrist wrestling okay and uh you know in the amateur world there's just the money is not there to do testing and yeah you kind of have to rely on people's good judgment that they're not doing that sure but in the in the large professional tournaments absolutely yeah like those people are some of those people are getting paid like i was like oh some of these people make a pile of money arm wrestling yep there is an organization in wisconsin called wisconsin arm wrestling 
and they have they hold a bunch of um, local tournaments, and they do an amateur and a professional all at the same time. So if oh. you want to go and try arm wrestling but not compete against the the other people who are playing for money, you can. And and then you just wrestle with other people who are playing just to to play, to wrestle. And then uh, if you decide later on that you're good enough, you can move up into that professional where you start competing for money. Now, the local tournaments, it's only a few hundred dollars, but you watch some of the televised things, it, it can be thousands of dollars that you could win. That's wild, I suppose. And the better you get, probably the more exclusive. And I didn't I didn't really gather whether there was, like, spot, spot, you know, like, people who do cornhole and stuff, and darts even, they get sponsored by companies. Yep. Is, that's a thing, too? It is. Yeah. Yep. Wow. A lot of exercise equipment companies sponsor arm wrestlers. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. That makes total sense. <laughs> so, like, I have to ask you, what's the craziest thing that's ever happened to you um, while you were wrist or arm wrestling or that you've seen? Loaded question. Is, is this <laughs> so uh, G-rated? <laughs> oh, no. We're, like, you, you can let her rip. Hey, we're good. <laughs> All right. Feel free to speak freely. Probably. We need the lowdown here on this show. <laughs> probably the craziest thing I've ever seen. And this was back in the late 80s. My first Nationals tournament was at the Eagles Club by the lake in Kenosha. And that oh. was back in the day when we had cups to put your elbow in instead of just the pads. Oh. And that was a two-day event because there were over 300 competitors. Okay. And on Saturday, probably an hour into the tournament, we had one arm break. So the ambulance oh. comes and, and collects the guy. And then probably another hour later... Another one broke. No and way. at that point, the ambulance just said, we're just going to park outside. Oh, my gosh. And by the time the tournament was over on Sunday, there were a total of five that weekend. Oh, my gosh. Never seen anything like it. And I never want to see anything like that again. That but seems... like I said, we've made improvements to the tables and made improvement to the... To the uh, to the referees, and, and that really doesn't happen very often anymore. Thank God. Ooh, yeah. That's gross. I mean, that'll I mean that'll ruin your weekend, obviously, and, every, and everybody who got hurt. But, like, nobody wants to see that. You want to be able to compete and have a, you know, a full roster and get through all of it, and that would be bad. You would, be, you would be surprised, Angela. I would probably say 70% of the people who break their arm come back to the sport. Wow. Wild. I actually had one guy go to the hospital, get his arm put in a cast, and then came back to the tournament. Oh, my gosh. And wrestle with the other arm. No, he didn't wrestle. Oh. <laughs> and he watched. Oh. Well, that's, I guess that's, um, that's just love for the sport right there. That's what it, that is. It sure is. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, so, 
Are there ways to cheat or get an advantage? I mean, like, do you show up having eaten something totally disgusting and you're, like, breathing on somebody? Or is that not a thing? (laughs) And it's just like, how do you get an advantage when you're doing that kind of a thing? (laughs) You know, I never thought of that. You know, uh, having bad breath. But there are some things that you can do to cheat, like refusing to set up over the center of the table and always trying to get that advantage to pull onto your side. Um, starting before the word go, you know, a false start. And, uh, That's not nice. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. There's, there's, there's some guys that make it difficult to be a referee. Yeah. Just cause they refuse to, because they know that if you set them up equal in the center of the table, they've lost their advantage. So they're used to wrestling a certain way. And and if you don't let them start in that way, they get pretty feisty. <laughs> Ugh, I've, uh, I've, I've disqualified people for not setting up correctly. Well, when I was like, and obviously like we're saying, this is a podcast, so you can't show visually, but people can Google it after we're done here, obviously, and check it out. But the, the grip alone, I was like, oh, if you can't maintain a decent grip within 60 seconds. And I was like, okay, so that alone leads me to believe, like, I don't know that I could, I don't know that I could do that, like, get the grip right even from the word go. That's the thing. Getting right. the grip right. Just yeah. right from the word go. <laughs> There's a lot of things you can do with your grip after the word go, but it's very strict on how you have to start. That's wild. Yep. Totally wild. And um, also, too, I kind of saw that they sometimes flip a coin to figure out who gets to go on which side. There's There shouldn't be an advantage to that, is there? Or is it just based on visually what you like to see around you? Or or, or just... Some people may have a superstition about a particular ah. side of the table. But that's all, I'll, that's all the credit I'll give it. It's a superstition. Because okay. Okay. the table is equal on both sides. Okay. So there's no that's advantage good. unless that's just your side of the table. I, I, right. I've never had to deal with flipping a coin or somebody saying I need to have that side. And if I did, the other person's like, yeah, I don't care. Do, do whatever you want. Yeah. Good. <laughs> Keep it easier that way. You don't have right. to worry about it. Forget it. <clears throat> and There's then, surprisingly not a lot of drama in arm wrestling. Again, something that I wouldn't have thought. <laughs> it just seems so raw. Like, I don't know. Like, just the whole idea of, like, like a, it's like a feat of strength. It's like a physical, I don't know, adrenaline kind of a thing. And and just in my brain, I'm like, oh, it's probably a bunch of hotheads. But, like, I think about you're, like, the least hot-headed person that I know. Like, you're so measured. So, Okay, I can get behind that. That makes sense to me. There's not a lot of drama. Yeah, that's that's my other side that comes out (laughs) at the table. Alter ego. Yeah, arm wrestling alter ego, and then you have to give it a name and a persona and an avatar and all that crap. All that crap. (laughs) I I recently had my shoulder reconstructed. Uh huh. And my surgeon asked me when I went in for my appointment, he's like, so how did you get here? And I said, well, probably 26 years of 
competitive arm wrestling. Oh. And he goes, that's a very violent sport. And not violent, not not violent, and what you think of street violence or whatever. But sure. if, you, if you if you think about the mechanics of what's happening to your body, and how much force you are exerting on places that probably shouldn't be exerted to that extent, it it is very violent. It is very so violent. It's... And in my particular case, uh, you know, over the years, I've uh, I've injured myself because of it. Now it's all good now. Eek! And once that happens, you're probably done. I would imagine uh, when if you I have were injuries. If I were smart, rip containers. <laughs> I, I do have I I do have strength goals that I want to get back. I at least want to at least want to think I could do it again. That's awesome. Yeah. So really, like in essence, anybody can do an arm wrestling type tournament, like a local kind of thing. But yeah, there's absolutely. a difference between doing it for fun and doing it like in a circuit where you're like registered where you could advance or, or per, like participate against professionals. Does that well, sound right? Or and, how do you describe and, that? And that's what the beauty of the world national risk wrestling association is. It's because it's all amateur. Now, sometimes you get professionals that come down to the amateur level to wrestle. And, oh. you know, that's all good competition, but, uh, the World National Wrist Wrestling Association built itself on giving people more chances to become winners. Okay. So they have more weight classes than any other. Oh. And, uh, and they'll run they'll run matches with less people just to give more people a chance to win. So let's say in the wrist wrestling amateur circuit, you may only have 20 pounds in between classes. Okay. Where in a professional, you may have 40 pounds in between classes. Right. And when right. you were so talking... you have a better chance of winning if somebody's only 20 pounds away from you than yeah. 40 pounds away from you. Yeah. And then you were saying earlier, too, like, if if you're of a certain stature where your arm has to be on the table might mean that you're closer or farther back. So... There may or may not be height advantage or disadvantage too, based on just like your body st structure and leverage. Well, there's there's all kinds of advantages, and that's where you need to adapt a specific style of arm wrestling that matches your body. Mm -hmm. So, and somebody that has to stand farther back from the center of the table might want to choose a, a top roll, which was made popular in Over the Top. The movie okay. with Sylvester Stallone. Are yeah, you familiar right. with that? Yeah, I, I forgot all about it until just now. That's awesome. <clears throat> you know, that, was, that was a real tournament. Oh, no kidding. That was an actual tournament going on in Petaluma, California. It was the Nationals. And there really was a semi on the line. And wow. I and I know the guy who won it. No way. Oh yeah, yeah. And so uh, they just put the actors in in certain places, but then a lot of the rest of the matches that you were watching in the movie were real. There was a real wow. tournament going on. That's crazy. Now I'm gonna have to rewatch it for sure and watch for that kind of thing. That's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> 
Love it. That's so awesome. And you guys, like, when I say you guys, or you all, I mean arm wrestlers, wrist wrestlers, your your own community of people who, you know, birds of a feather flock together. So, I mean, just like any Facebook group, any other Facebook group, you guys are constantly talking about different things and strategies and also keeping each other abreast of where tournaments are and what's going on and different rules or... I mean, it's probably, in, in, I mean, I, I kind of joined the group that you showed me to join, so I was sort of previewing, but that's that's a whole nother world, a whole nother community of tons and tons of people. So if somebody wanted to get involved, it would be really easy to to connect with a host of people. Absolutely. Absolutely. Facebook does a does a good job. In fact, most of the most of the arm wrestling slash wrist wrestling community relies on on Facebook for getting the word out and seems mm-hmm. to do a pretty good job. That's awesome. And I was researching a little bit about the origins of arm wrestling. And so I, when you were talking about the gentleman who kind of perpetuated it in California, that made sense to me. And then I, I saw that they had noted that arm wrestling to some extent was prevalent or happening in Japan in like the twenties. And then apparently they found, of course, cave drawings in Egypt or not caves, but in a tomb that showed people wrist wrestling or arm wrestling. That's it's been going on for ages. That's oh, yeah. so awesome. Yep. <laughs> it's so cool. And it has one of the, largest longevity of any other sport i know a lot of competitors that are still competing in their 70s holy crap yep wow in fact uh, the lion's share of the people i know are over 45 wow so that speaks to technique probably and muscle memory and uh training too i would imagine you're working obviously not just working your arms but if you're training or or getting yourself conditioned to that sort of thing you're probably working on your back muscles and your stomach muscles and that's veteran stuff right there you can be of a certain age and still kick everybody's ass who's younger than you because you know where it's at right absolutely fabulous so what do you think about the sport moving forward. Do you see any big changes happening other than lobbying for Olympic kind of happenings? There was an outfit, and I don't know if it's still around. Uh, it was called the WAL, or the World Arm Wrestling League. And there were a couple of other ones. And they were really making a big push and trying to find sponsors and, and get some big payouts. Okay. But but I don't think it really went anywhere because, um, I mean, they had a few years on TV and there were some sponsorships, but uh, it seems like the fan base is shrinking and it has been ever since the 90s. It, okay. used to, it used to be, like I mentioned, the national tournaments 
be three, four hundred people there, and that's just amateur. There was no winning of any money. That wow. was just people just going to prove themselves, you know. Yeah. And uh, nowadays, at a national tournament in the amateur circuit, get thirty people instead of three hundred. No way. Yeah, yeah. The uh, now the professional circuit is drawing more because they give money. Sure. But the, the younger people are not gravitating to that sport. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like it seems like advertising dollars is all about the size of the audience for sure. It, it because really you is. talk about yeah, as you talk about like wanting equality and pay for like men's versus women's sports and I'll just say like soccer or the NBA, like or WNBA, that's a really good example. But the problem has always been, you know, in order to pay the men versus the women and this that was like a gender thing, you know, it was like the audience had to be able to support those dollars and it like it just didn't match up. And so if the you know, the viewership is low for the sport at large, I could see where that would be kind of a problem. I wonder yeah. how people work on bringing it back. That's a very good question, Angela, and a very loaded question as well. <laughs> because to compete in a sport like arm wrestling, you've got to have a certain something about you, a certain drive, a desire to grunt and sweat and get in somebody's face and and prove that you're stronger than them or faster than them or better than them. Mm -hmm. And I don't see that kind of drive in a lot of young people these days. Amen. You know, I agree. what what do they call it now? Toxic masculinity. (laughs) <laughs> right, that's that's being thrown around everywhere. <laughs> right, you know. Right, I, I can guarantee yeah. you, there's nothing toxic about me. <laughs> oh my gosh, a hundred percent. I can vouch for that a thousand times over. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. So I, you know, so it's hard. Shame is what it is. Yeah, I mean, it, until until you can develop the interest, and in, the problem is with the professional circuit and the money. Is these kids like, oh, I can go win 300 bucks. Okay, this is your first time arm wrestling and you're competing against a pro. (laughs) Right. You know, then they get discouraged and they never come back. Yeah. You know, that was the whole point of the World National Wrist Wrestling Association, opening up to amateurs and creating more weight classes. So you created more winners and created more interest in the sport. I think that is part of what needs to keep happening but uh, then there's still the problem of just the younger generation doesn't seem to uh, have the grit sure and it sounds like that that's where the problem is because it, it seems like the people who would be akin to doing it are the ones who are that have it within themselves as like a family generational you know friends and family close-knit you know that is passed down almost like a traditional kind of a thing and if it's not happening that stinks totally stinks yeah right you want to know how i got started in all of this absolutely absolutely everybody wants to know when i was 
when I was 18 years old, and I wasn't old enough to drink, me and a buddy, we decided to go on Good Hope Road in Milwaukee to Chuck E. Cheese's. Because they would serve us pitchers of beer. So we just play video oh games gosh. and pitchers of beer. Well, they nice. had an arm wrestling video game there. No way. <laughs> yep. Well. Yep. And I played it, and it beat me the first time, and I kept playing it until I won. And uh, then it wasn't more than just a, a couple weeks later, I was at this bar, and there happened to be a tournament going on. Didn't know about it. And nice. I jumped in, and yeah, I've been hooked ever since. So thanks to Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I had my career in arm wrestling. That's so funny. I mean, the whole idea of it is like, oh, piece of strength at Chuck E. Cheese. Is step right up to the machine. Let's go. Yep, step, step right up. Step right up. <laughs> Maybe that's the solution. We have to put more of those arm wrestling machines in different venues so that people get used to doing it again. Well, that is <laughs> would be that a money-making thing because people pay money to play those games. Play those games. So. Okay. Most most of those games are, are not around anymore because of the uh, <laughs> liability. Sure. Oh, I bet. Of course. Yeah. Bring in the insurance company again. Right, absolutely. right. Everybody sues nowadays. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Not cool. Right. So what else do we need to know? Anything in particular? What are we missing? What did we not cover? Well, we covered a lot of the basics. Um one of the things that if you look at athletes, and there was a study done, and I want to see if I can find it real quick while I'm talking, um, the reflex speed of arm wrestlers is so much faster than every other sport. I'm going to see if wow. I can find it real quick. That's awesome. Again, something that I probably would not have thought of or realized. <clears throat> Yeah, one of the, you know, I'm not going to be able to find it while we're looking here, but... Um, no, that's okay. We can it, find it's it. It's the difference between voluntary muscle activity and involuntary. And you're talking about um, the the voluntary muscle contraction of an arm wrestler is down in the milliseconds range. Wow. Yeah. And... <clears throat> A few milliseconds could mean the difference between winning or losing or a two-second match and a two-minute match. Sure. Right. It's just, um, if you think about it, I mean, I equate it with what you're saying. It sounds to me like the logical equation would be equating it to when a runner is leaving the blocks and, you know, like who gets out first might have an advantage, obviously. Correct. So that totally makes sense to me. Super intriguing, completely. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've covered everything that I can think of, unless if you think that we're missing something, but no. it really makes me want to learn a little bit more about, I mean, I already do know some, and, and I feel like we've educated everybody, and I like to always take the opportunity when I'm talking to somebody on the fan bus and I invite them into our Patriot Sports website 
Um, and in there we have forums. And so anybody is welcome to go in there at any time and chat about these kinds of things. So I would love it if we use that as a means for people to connect and maybe get a little bit more involved and where they want to or find out how they can or where they can. And that would be awesome. I would feel really good about that. Absolutely. So you guys will all have to do that. Yeah. And, yeah, if there's um, any, anything I can help, somebody asks you some questions that you don't know the answer to, I'd be happy to jump in. Fabulous. That's super cool. That would be amazing. I would love that. And um, I... I also on my show, I always have different topics. And so I know that you're a bourbon and whiskey aficionado and scotch too. And as am I, and I'm having an upcoming show. So I would love it if you'd be part of that as well. I'm <laughs> just saying. Okay. So any of you who are listening, you'll want to stay tuned for those kinds of things as, as well, which will be fun. <laughs> always happy to talk about bourbon. Perfect. I love it. Well, Corey, I thank you so much for joining me today on this episode of The Fan Boss. It was a pleasure having you here, and my thanks to you for educating all of us on the things that we probably all, most of us, didn't know. Thank you for having me on the show, Angela. Absolutely. Awesome. Okay, you guys, it's time for you to get your ass off my bus. You know what that means? You're going to have to pay attention. Pay attention. Pay attention. The next episode will be coming up soon. What's the topic? To be known. Have a good one. Sadly, it's true that all kick-ass adventures must eventually come to a close. But rest assured, this will not be our last. Thank you, friends, for riding the fan bus. Now gather your belongings, throw out your trash, and promptly make your exit. And wait patiently for our next fan bus adventure. The Fan Bus is part of the Patriot Sports Radio family. Join our community where you can find more of what's kick-ass by visiting us at PatriotSportsNow.com. Until next time, everyone, keep it on the road.